when uh, when I stand before the Lord and he talks about what we've accomplished as a church it's going to be because of Prima Edwards Charlotte Sweeney's people who give themselves day in, day out, week in, week out. And they're behind the scenes, you don't always see, but the incredible stuff that goes on. And there's, there's many more of you right here who, who, who could do that. They just have shared today, and it's just powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Well, <clears throat> Ben talking about the church, the body, the bride, and the temple. And before this series, I talked about things that matter. Nate's kept me abreast on how that's happened because he just recently listened to that whole series and, and, and in talking and share about things that matter. And I was raised by a daddy who always kept me focused on a phrase that he would say to me over and over, and that is, son, I don't care what you do, I don't care where you go, what happens, I want you to be the best, but here's what he would always say, what are you gonna do with what you got? Don't be one of these people who talks about what you don't have or all the other things. What are you gonna do with what you've got. I wanted to be, I had aspirations as a kid. You know, I really loved basketball, wanted to play basketball. There's never been a professional basketball player five feet, four inches. <laughs> Bob Cousy, I think was, I don't remember if he was five six or five nine, but he was the shortest guy that about ever played. And, you know, it was just not in the hand that the Lord had dealt me. And, and uh, you know, I've asked myself numerous times, what are you going to do with what you've got? This year, God has, in my mind, opened and unlocked Scripture for me like He never has. He's bringing us to a level of maturity as a corporate body and, and as, as the, the church that I believe he wants us to. And uh, all week I've been wrestling with this thing about talking about Christmas today and I'm going to talk a little bit about Christmas but then I'm going to get into try to kick off a series that I will begin New Year's Day that really goes along with what, we, what we've been dealing with. I don't know that I... I'm really changing what I'm doing when we talk about things that matter and when we talk about the church as the body, the bride, and the temple of the Lord. I'm just trying to explain some things that I think matter in us understanding that we've got to function where God has called and designed us to function. I want to just begin by, by talking a little bit about Christmas and say some things that's on my mind and on my heart about this season that I want to um, say to all of us as a, as a body, and as Steve has already read the first two lines of my sermon this morning, 
The Christmas story is not just about a baby. It's also about a king. It's more than sheep, donkeys, and calves in a stall. It's more than just shepherds and a black starry night. I stepped out the other night, Friday night, and I saw the stars all over and it was dark and I just stood there for a moment in the cold and looked at those stars and I, I, I wondered in my imagination, wonder what those shepherds saw as they were following that star. It's not about all of those things that we talk about, the manger scene and all of those things, the animals and all that. It's about a multitude of redeemed people. Christmas is about a multitude of people who have been redeemed. It's more than a manger. It's also a cross. It's also an empty tomb. It's also the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. None of the events of the story and the life of Jesus, they're not mutually exclusive. They are not meant to be standalone moments. They're part of a whole big, magnificent story that God's still writing. Every day, Christ is birthed in people who accept Him as their Savior. Every day, people are growing, and I see people who've like Jesus did at the age of 12 to amaze people. I see people who are young in the Lord who just amaze me and blow me away at the revelation and the knowledge and the stuff that they have that people who have been with Christ for years and years and years still haven't gotten. I see Christ coming to a place where he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him, Scripture says as a dove, and he began an earthly ministry, and for three and a half years he taught and instructed and imparted and ministered things here on the earth. All of these things that we can talk about are part of a marvelous story of a Christ who came to earth to set men free from sin. Listen carefully. To set men free from sin, and he came to the earth to take up his residence in mankind. The story of Christmas, the story of the birth, is the story of God coming to earth. The Christmas season to me is a wonderful time of giving. It's a time of sharing. It's a time of, of, of just giving of ourselves. 
I do my best in my life to keep my focus on Jesus and to understand what this season is all about. I try to just to relax and breathe in the Spirit of God. You know, I just, I just want to go on record saying a few things. Whether Christmas is pagan or not doesn't change what I believe. So many Christians get caught up in, well, you know, this is a pagan holiday. We're doing all this pagan stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you for your love for Christ and your correctness. Whether Christmas is commercial or not doesn't really phase me. Doesn't really bother me. Whether it's a pagan holiday, that, uh, none of those things really move me. Whether it starts before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving, whatever is in your heart should be full of Thanksgiving. Doesn't matter when it started. People talk about <laughs> the month of the year is wrong. I heard this guy, I, I don't even need to get into it. They hear him going on and on and on about we don't need, we're not even at the right season. Not even the right time. This wasn't the time that it happened. We, we're, we're celebrating the wrong thing. Since when would an eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, creative God care whether it's June, August, or December? Christ came. He was born as a man. He came here for a purpose. We get caught up in the trees. I, I, I. Oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> People fuss about whether it's a star or an angel on top of the tree. Who cares? The lights, the decorations, the gifts, Santa Claus, elves. It's just stuff that comes with the territory. Now hear me. All of that toothpaste will probably never get put back into the tube. But Christians who are so right on spend a lot of time trying to correct all those things, trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube. But after all is said and done, when all of the dust settles, it's not up to our culture to tell his story it's up to us. Our lives are living epistles of the birth, the growth, the maturity, the death, 
the burial and the resurrection of a risen Savior who lives in us, walks in us. It's all about Emmanuel, God with us. I want to say that because it just, it just, I, 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 I get so, you know, we decorate. I, I have people come, well, they put trees, Christmas trees on the platform up there at Raymond Christian Center. I can do all kinds of stuff. People just get caught up with stuff. And, you know, I really believe that most of us, especially those of us that are here today, have the ability to cut through all the clutter and the glitter and get to the real heart of the matter. There's something that permeates this season that when you look closely, it's a part of the fabric of the season and we just experienced it royally this morning in a sense that it's a thing called worship. Worship. Listen to me. You can worship anything you want to worship. You can talk about all of the things that are out there. But the story of Jesus Christ is a story full of grace and truth. It's full of grace and mercy. When the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph about what was taking place with Mary and he told Joseph that this child was from God, Joseph worshiped at the word of the Lord. Mary herself cried out, My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. When Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was herself miraculously preg pregnant with John the Baptist, and at the very presence, think about this. Here is Mary with Christ on the inside of her and she visits her cousin and she's pregnant with John the Baptist and the Bible declares that John leaped in Elizabeth's womb at the very presence of Jesus walking into that room. I believe he was worshiping who he was. more. The angel appeared to announce the birth of Christ with great joy and suddenly there were a whole joined worship team of the heavenly hosts that began to, to, to sing a praise team that was singing praise and worship to this king. Scripture is clear. The Christmas story is not just about a baby. It's about a king who was born who was the king of kings. The shepherd ran off to see this thing. 
that happened, the shepherds did, and they broke out with spontaneous worship and joy. Just say joy. Will you say joy? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is a season of joy. Simeon was an old man, an old man of God who had lived his whole life in the temple. He was waiting for the Messiah and he asked God to spare his life until he saw Israel's Savior. And God did that for him. Anna, a prophetess, she began to prophesy and worship when she saw the baby. I know we don't know the time frame of the wise men that came, the individuals that came from a great distance, whoever they were or whatever in that whole thing, but they, they, they made this long journey because of a star that led them to this Christ child. They came and they brought extravagant gifts, gold, frankincense, or they were acts of worship. Their gifts were acts of worship. How can we celebrate this season without all of us having a desire to worship the King? We get so caught up in the stuff, so caught up in everything that has happened and take place. If you read scripture, you'll find that all of the prophets of old, you can go through and look at all of the men, Abraham, different ones. Michael sent me an email this week talking about all of those who had a confrontation or met Jesus in the old covenant. I mean, and I, I believe that and see that. I'm 100% convinced Abraham and Moses and different ones had an encounter with this Christ before he was born in Bethlehem. Prophet after prophet after prophet spoke of this one who was to be called Emmanuel. God with us. Say that with me right now. Would you say, God with us. Now hear what I'm saying. Emmanuel is not God with me. been talking about a church, a many-membered body, the body of Christ, many members. We're hearing God focus us on all of the parts of the body, all of the members of the body contributing and doing, and, and, and man, we had a guy first time, said he was here 25 years ago in the service, but he was here Wednesday night. He, he, he gave an illustration of the body that just, just was, was exciting. We'll talk more about that later. But anyhow, Emmanuel is God with This wonderful and powerful story that we call Christmas, this Christmas season, 
is not about a God who is above us. It's not about a God who is against us. It's not about a God who is separate from us. It's about a God who is with, with us. God is with us. That's the Christmas story. That's the story. What do you mean? God decided to come to earth, and when everything was said and done, he changed his residence from heaven to a heart's plural, us. not me and my little thing worked out with me and Jesus and all the rest of you get my judgment. It's God taking up residence with us. Strip it all away. Everything about what Christmas is. Do what you want with it. But the fact remains, God is now with us. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, yesterday morning, was asking the Lord, wrestling with some things that's been going on inside of me of what God's called me to do. Uh, as many of you know, since I've turned 70 years of age, I'm asking God, what is it? What, what, what is it you've got for me for the next 10 years at least? I hope it's 20 or 30, but what is it you want my focus to be on in the next 10 years? I don't want to sit around and talk about what we've done. I want to find out what it is that you have for us to do and why you have equipped us and brought us together, why you are in the midst of us, why are you here with us, why are you working with us, why are you doing things in us and through us. And, 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 and in, in all of this wrestling that's going on, I'm, I, I really feel like that God's bringing some things together that... that uh, you're, you're not going to see if you're just looking at peripheral things. If you get caught up in all of the decorations and all of the seasonal things and you get caught up in all of the stuff going on, you, you, you may get caught up in, in, in what's happening in the world or what's happening in Christianity and all those other things and miss why we worship Him and why, why, why it is that we have a relationship with Him and why He decided that He wanted to come to earth and take up His residence inside of every one of us and be with us and walk with us and talk with us. And, and, and so I, I've just been dealing with all of this and, and, and I've, I felt like this is, is, is what God wants me to say and I'm going to try to say this in the next 15 minutes if I can. But in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it simply says, For by grace, grace, you have been saved through faith 
and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now watch this. For we are His workmanship. We, plural, us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I mean, I can go on and on about that's your involvement. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, my focus here, I want you to focus for just a moment on the phrase, created in Christ Jesus. In the book of Galatians, chapter 4, Verse 19, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says this, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Christ is formed in you. Paul says, I'm laboring until Christ is formed in you. A couple of other passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new creation. We've taught about this. I can ask any one of you, are you a new creature in Christ Jesus? Are you a new creation? Yes, I am. And then over in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Is it possible to be a new creation in Christ yet not be experiencing the formation of Christ in you. Hear me. God with us. Could you be a new creature in Christ Jesus placed in Christ, but not working or developing 
or allowing the Holy Spirit to labor until Christ is formed in you. Are you created in Christ? Absolutely. No question about it. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. Nothing can pluck me out of his hand. The problem in the body of Christ, the problem with the fact that Jesus came, he came for the salvation of the world. He died for the sins of the world. We accept Christ and we are in Christ Jesus. Is it possible for me to be in Christ but never really fully experience Christ in me? Are you hearing me? I, I'm just wanting you to think about it this season. I want to understand what Jesus did at Calvary was to reconcile the whole world. It is finished. He did it. It's a done deal. He reconciled the whole world to him. He has given you and I a ministry of reconciliation where anybody who believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. They can come into a relationship where they are in Christ. They're saved. Eternity is settled. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. It's over. It's complete. Anybody on planet earth can be reconciled back to God. Jesus paid the whole price for that. But why was Paul laboring among the churches with those who had been reconciled back to God, why was he fussing and laboring with this thing and travailing in this thing until Christ is formed in us? Are you with me? Am I losing anybody this morning? I think it's pretty simple. It's one thing to be in Christ. You're saved. Nothing's wrong with you. You are eternally secure in Christ. So, Pastor, what's the issue? Why did he bring us into him? Could it be so that Christ could be formed in you. If all we do is discover we're in Christ, you gotta stick with me here a minute. If all we discover is that we're in Christ,
And we're supposed to be like Christ and mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why in Philippians did Paul say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Did Christ come and make us new creatures so that we could continue to live in Adam and be sinners just saved by grace? Or did he come and take up residence corporately in us so that we wouldn't feel like, do, do, do you all, I, I said this in the last few weeks, but if you, in, in the book, The Melchizedek Key, I went into detail about, you know the difference between thievery and larceny and stealing and robbery. In order to be charged with robbery, you have to have a weapon and you have to threaten the person that you're stealing from with bodily harm. The difference in thievery and robbery, you can steal from somebody if nobody's present, but it can't be robbery unless somebody in a human body is present and you threaten their body harm. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not. Robbery to be equal with God. But you get around the average church member and they think you're a heretic if you start talking about how big Christ is in us and how much we're like Christ. The whole prayer of Jesus in John 17, that they may be one as we are one. And how do we threaten each other bodily harm when we don't help each other discover they were created in Christ Jesus but we are laboring until Christ is formed in us Am I getting my point across? And listen to me. You can't get informed in you all by yourself. What are you saying? A body has to function with every member of the body.
Dave, I wished I had that video of Wednesday night right now and I'd play it. But I didn't know this is how God was going to bring this out. Think about it. Till Christ is formed, thought it not robbery. Jesus, in the form of God, thought it not robbery. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery. He did not think that he was harming the body for him to believe that he was one with God. We are not taking anything away. If I am one with God and I'm believing you are one with God, I'm going to do everything to nourish you and help you and assist you and work with you to be who we are, the church, the body of Christ. It's powerful. It's exciting. The reason there's a difference, listen to me, there's a difference in a creation and a formation. Probably take me all next year to explain that. <laughs> but there's a major difference. Paul says, even though you are created in Christ Jesus, I'm laboring, striving travailing until Christ is formed in you. Wonder what it was that brought Christ to the place that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. How could he come, take on the form of a man and still see himself as a man and not think it robbery to be equal with God. How do we let this mind be in you? Y'all think we need a little bit of mind renewal? You think we need to renew our minds to what the scripture says? Do you think we need to begin to stop letting... If we're spending all of our time talking about whether it's a star or an angel on top of a Christmas tree, that's going to hinder God from doing what He wants to do this season because we're, we've got a star on top instead of an angel. And Christians spend all their time flutter fluttering around. Oh, you just, God can't work. Look, look, look. God can work anywhere He wants to work if you'll get all of the junk out of your way and let Him work in you. What do you mean? I'm not expecting culture to change. Because he didn't say, I'm going to come and build a culture. He didn't say, I'm going to come and build a nation. He said, every nation will bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, we are to go into all the world and make disciples of nations. Disciples are people who are conformed to the image of Christ. Let me close. Romans chapter 8. Well, let me read, let me, let me read Philippians 
2 and 6 from the Passion. I want you to just catch this from the Passion. Just listen to this. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. That's exactly what he prayed in John 17. Father, I've given, I want them one with me. And I want their word to go and all of us be one. You are one. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 29 says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be It's not the word created. He created to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And sister. What do you mean? We've been predestined to be conformed. Paul was travailing for Christ to be formed in us. Listen to me. Most of the church world is still dealing with trying to get people to become new creations in Christ Jesus and get them in Christ. And I'm not saying that doesn't need to be done. But he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for there to be a formation. Can I tell you all, you know, we're, we've been doing a class in leadership with the leaders of this church. And one of the things that, it's, that, that we're dealing with in there is we're supposed to be working ourselves out of a job. Is that right, Dave? What do you mean? The world out here doesn't need the pastor. They need Christ in you. I come to a Wednesday night class to talk about a sermon that I have studied and prepared and preached and prayed and I walk out with far more than I ever brought. Why? Because the body is supposed to be God with us. What are you saying? If I get around you and I'm looking for Jesus instead of what's wrong with you, guess who you may see? I may see a side of Jesus. Do you all realize if you walked with me very long during the day and you saw my faults and flaws and failures and mistakes, 
you would start believing God has a lot more grace and mercy than I do. God with us. I'm closing. What are we being conformed to? What are we being conformed to? The image of Christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with God made himself no reputation took the form took the form of a bond servant. What are you saying? Do you all realize that I can go through the whole story and tell you that if God did want to bring Jesus in a certain way, don't you think he could have sent a heavenly host and found him a room at the Hotel uh, Hilton Regency instead of a manger? But he came because he wanted to see a king who wasn't too good to serve. The body of Christ is not about a group of people who are high and mighty and wonderful and can do all of these things and walk on water and heal the sick. They're about a group of people who are willing to serve one another and heal one another and deliver one another and encourage one another and build up one another who see the victory and the formation as Christ in us. us. I so desperately need you. You so desperately need the person beside of you. The person beside of you, they don't need your judgment. They don't need your opinion. They don't need your attitude. They don't need your lust. They need you full of love that comes from God that will love them. The world out here needs Christ in us so that we can love the world. Do you know how we're supposed to forgive? As God in Christ forgave us. How did he forgive you? How many of you deserved forgiveness? Huh? How many of you deserved it? Well, 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 why does somebody else have to deserve your forgiveness? I've preached enough. Stand with me. Created forms. Yes, sir. Let's do it now. Huh? Yeah, because we'll show this Christmas gift because that way if there's any religious spirits here that make thinks it's too funny. They'll know it. You got the Christmas skit that our kids did? All right. Watch this and then we'll have you stand and finish. An angel came.
came to see Mary. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph, Mary's not lying. You are going to have a new baby. So they met up and went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They liked Tamil. No, silly, it was a donkey, and she said, That donkey is fast. Then they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper for a place to stay, and he said, He literally have no room. And then he said, the only place here in Bethlehem you can stay in a, bat, a stable. When the shepherds were taking care of their sheep, the angel came and said, A new baby's been born. And the angel sang, heard of it and the star appeared. We should probably follow the star down to the barn. Probably. They gave them gifts, stuffed animals like a bear. Some daggers and some likes. And some milk. And some shoes like Jordan's. Gold for you, Ida and Murray. And Mary said, He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby ever. There, I said it. And this is not the end of that baby's story. What's the season about? A king, Emmanuel, is with us. Amen? Amen. Stand. Father, I thank you for a body of believers that want the same mind that Christ had, where we become one with you the way you desire to be one with us. You started this story by coming to us where we were in sin and redeeming us all, placing us all in Christ so that Christ can now live in us and that we can be a multi-membered body expressing everything that you are to a world that's lost and hurting. Thank you, Father for your work being accomplished in us. And we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Say, I need us. Not just me, us. Not just me, us. Well, go say hi to us, will you? I love you.